Today's episode is brought to you by OakleySign.com. Realtors across the country choose OakleySign.com because they offer the widest selection of high-quality, affordable, custom real estate signs backed by a best price guarantee and free design services. Whether you are a new agent, opening a new office, transforming your brand identity, or simply need fresh signs to work for your market, Oakley's real estate and design experts produce signs you will be proud to display. Get 50% off your next custom sign order when you go to oakleysign.com forward slash keeping it real or use promo code keep it real at checkout. And now onto our show. episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with Paula Pagano from Corcoran Global Living in San Francisco. Before we get to Paula, just a couple of quick announcements. First, please remember, if you want to help us grow, just tell a friend. Think of one other real estate professional that you know that could benefit from this podcast and send them a link. Easiest way is send them a over to our website, which is keepingitrealpod.com. Every episode we've ever done is you can stream right there. And or if they are a podcast person, just have them pull up their podcast app on their phone or mobile device and have them do a search for keeping it real and hit the subscribe button. And then second thing is to please follow us on Facebook. We find an article that's written every single day online and post it specifically about how to help agents grow their business. And we also post all of our episodes as we're recording them so you can actually watch live as we're doing them. So that's facebook.com forward slash keeping it real pod. Again, facebook.com forward slash keeping it real pod. As always, thank you, thank you, thank you for continuing to be a part of this show. Every listener is so important to us. We're so grateful to have you. And now on to our interview with Paula Pagano. Today on the show, our guest is Paula Pagano from Corcoran Global Living in San Francisco Bay Area. Let me tell you a little bit about Paula. Originally from New York, Paula Pagano moved to San Francisco in 1980 and became the top sales agent in her office her very first year, which is an incredible accomplishment in and of itself. And she's remained a consistent top sales producer for over 40 years. Paula has marketed and sold many unique properties, including historic landmarks, large apartment complexes, and celebrity homes. In addition, Paula is a best-selling author on Amazon with over 40 rave reviews for her two books, Secrets of a Top Salesperson, How Emotions Make or Break the Sale, and Getting the Property Sold, which is S-O-U-L apostrophe D. Her books have been endorsed by Barbara Corcoran of Shark Tank and the legendary sales trainer and author Tom Hopkins. To learn more about Paula, please go to her website, paulapagano.com, and I'm going to spell that, P-A-U-L-A-P-A-G-A-N-O.com. And also, for the two books I mentioned, if you look in the show notes of this podcast, we will have links directly to her books, which we encourage you to go pick up. Paula, welcome to the show. 
Hello, everyone. <laughs> Paul and I were having a great time chatting just before we started. And then I said, okay, we, we got to start our show because we were having a, a fun time. Um, and I always love talking to agents in San Francisco because everybody in this country looks to agents in San Francisco and says, how do you do <laughs> so that? funny. <laughs> but um, tell us about how you got into real estate. We'd love to hear about uh, how you started. Well, you know, most people in life, you know, they go to high school, college, and then they have a plan. But oftentimes the plans don't turn out like you started. So my plan was I was in pre-med in college. Wow. Yes. And I was a medical researcher after college. But the thing was, the reason I got into medicine and biology is I love science and I love animals. Well, I had to experiment and kill animals. Oh, that's tough. And it just got to, I I just couldn't do it. And so actually here's a little detour. I wanted to go to California, uh, the mama's and papa's song, California dreaming. And I was from upstate New York in those cold wintry you know, winters, it was hard. So I went to California and I first stopped in Laguna Beach for about a year. I got my license there. I wasn't very successful. So one tip I'd like to give to real estate agents who are newbies, be persistent. Keep you know, knocking on doors, handing out your card, networking, whatever you're doing. And, and if you have uh, transactions that fall apart, keep on working. Wake up every day. It's a new day. You know that song, It's a New Day? <laughs> I do. Just remember that song. So anyway, I, um, it, I lived in Laguna Beach. It was beautiful. But then I went on a week vacation to San Francisco and I fell in love with the city. Very cosmopolitan. The architecture was beautiful with the Victorians, Edwardians and the Marina style, the big mansions. It, It had a little bit of everything and it's a very diverse culture. So I felt more at home there because I had traveled a lot in Europe. So I moved up knowing nobody. And I said, you know what? I wasn't that successful that first year in Laguna. But here, I'm going to take sales training. And that's what I did. And so I became the top agent in my office the first year. And then I was a consistent top producer for many, many years. And, you know, that's how I got into real estate. And by the way, why, why real estate? My landlord in Laguna said, knew I was unhappy and I didn't want to go back into the medical research field. And she said, hmm, I have bought, I'm a, a widower twice and or a widow twice. And I bought property. And that's, I raised three sons on my own. And that's how I did it. Get into real estate. And that's what I did. And I have no regrets. 
So when you moved to San Francisco, and that's an incredible story, by the way, when you moved to San Francisco, you had, I'm assuming, a very small, if not a non-existent sphere of influence. I um, had none, none. <laughs> so how did, how did you start building your business? We'd love to hear that. So I, I was in the office a lot. And I learned by listening to what other more senior agents were doing. When they needed help, I was right there. So I'd help them. Whenever I could, I'd have an open house. I was hardworking. And I, I believed in myself. I believed I could do this. And really, I didn't... Some agents will want to stop at, start at the very top top and sure. you know multi-million dollar property is because there's so much money in it i didn't do that i i wasn't i'm more an academic person than i am a socialite and so i just worked hard and studied hard and that's how i did it and people saw that in the office and some were senior agents they couldn't handle all their clients so i'm getting referrals back and forth from the agents in my office. That's how I started. And then a call would come in, I'd be working late at night, and I'd be the one grabbing the call because no one else was there. So this was obviously before social media and the like. And I advertised the best I could. So I, I put money and I believed in education. So I was taking sales training all the time to learn a little of this, a little of that. I'm curious, being that you are a pre-med uh, student, which is one of the more uh, challenging uh, ways to, to get through undergraduate, um, uh, you know, to get an undergraduate degree, at least uh, I was pre-med when I started in college oh. as well. And I, I made it a year and then I was like, what am I doing? I am not uh, suited for, for medicine. Um, and it just wasn't, wasn't, you know, I hadn't really thought enough about it. And then I switched to something else and, and that was a much better fit. Um, but the amount of discipline it takes to, to pursue that, you know, that, that sort of degree, uh, is quite intense. And so I'm curious if, if that helped you, because you mentioned being an academic, um, which makes sense, if that helped you sort of study the market and, and really understand, you know, the, uh, the knowledge side of things that maybe a lot of realtors wouldn't dive as deep into. Yes. And I'm going to answer that yes and no. So this is how I'm going to answer it <laughs> is I am very disciplined. So if people have come up to me because they know I made good money and I have a very nice lifestyle and they said, I want to be a real estate agent. I'm personable. I'm but they don't have, you know, the real work ethic that you need to have of being a good agent, except there, like I said, there are people who are so well connected. And sure. again, I was not that they can have, you know, go to cocktail parties and do transactions and meet all these, you know, and just sell two or three properties a year and be making tons of money. That yeah. wasn't me. And that's not the average real estate agent. Okay, those are the exceptions. If you're in real estate, you got to follow through, you got to work hard, you got to be creative. So that's something else I think that distinguishes me from other agents. I like to problem solve. So if a 
buyer and a seller meet head on and they're having problems communicating or coming to an agreement, it is my job to go in. Again, here's the emotions, soften everything and make it work. Now it doesn't work all the time. And if it doesn't work all the time, then you need to know when to, to cut loose and move on. And that's also another important quality for those new agents out there is when do you move on? Because some people just are too difficult and they take up too much. <laughs> One of my friends says, brain damage. <laughs> and so it's just not worth it. And you just have to say, bye-bye. Yeah, it's it's okay to, and I don't like the word fire, but it's okay to fire a client. Uh, there's probably a softer word for that, but to to uh, end the, the relationship and introduce them to another agent, maybe that, yes. that is a better fit. Um, and, and maybe even earn a referral commission, I suspect. But, yes. but the idea of being able to say, hey, you know, I'm not best suited. Uh, in fact, let's talk. Let we weren't going to talk about this, but I'm I'm very interested. How do you have the conversation with a client that you're realizing this is not working uh, for them? It's not working for me. Um, do you have any suggestions about how to terminate that relationship? Yes. So you you turn it back to them. It's about them. It's not about you, even though it may be about you. Right. So uh, I, I, I'm going to give an example. So a, re a red flag happens when clients have fired another realtor and then they want to see you. Okay, they want to work with you. So that's automatic. You should be cautious. Sure. Why did they not like the other agent? And then ask them why. Meet with them, give them a chance because some, some there, there are lousy real estate agents out there. So, sure. you know, that, that does happen. Um, but then, you know, dig deeper and find out what their motivation is. Why are they selling? So I had this one couple who had the property, their property on the market for a while. They got an offer. They didn't like it. They said, our property is worth more. So I went and I met with them and I knew that they were going to be very difficult. I knew. And I thought, you know, I just don't have it in, in me to fight with people. Yeah. But there was an agent in my office <laughs> who I, I get along with though. Fine. You know, I, I like her, but from a distance, I mean, she's really, really tough, you yeah. know? So I thought, Hmm, I bet I don't want to mention her name. So-and-so I bet could do this though. So I called them up and I said, you know, I've been giving this a lot of thought and I realize you want a really high price. And I don't think I'm the agent for you because I know a younger agent who's more aggressive than myself. And I think she could get you your price that you want. And I think that's a better fit. He was thrilled that I was so honest. He said, oh. Paul, I'm going to take you out for a drink. That's so nice. You're so straightforward. And she did sell them. 
she did sell the property. And you know, she had to kick in a little commission because otherwise it wouldn't have happened. And I got a refer- good referral fee, by the way. I got $10,000 from- That's a good fee, yeah. And if I had done it, I'm a bit, I can be tough on the outside, but I'm really sensitive. And I think, <laughs> I don't think I would have lasted. He, he was just too, too difficult for me. For me, not for her. She did it. I love what you said earlier is you said, I am a problem solver. And and this is a, (laughs) this is another example of you identifying a problem that you and this, uh, this, this seller were not maybe the perfect match. You recognize that you recognize that their problem too, is they wanted to get a certain price point that you didn't feel was, was in line with reality or what you were willing to do. And you solved the problem for them and you still Obviously, uh, people just want really honest, good advice, and you did that. And um, yeah, I imagine that client probably thinks uh, it wasn't your client anymore, but still probably thinks super highly of you. And I'm, you know, I was, yeah. I would assume probably would still send referrals to you as well, uh, <laughs> being of how how honest you are. And it's so refreshing. It's I, so thank you for that. That is such a great suggestion for our audience about how to assess. A relationship with a client, and if it if it isn't uh, going well, you know you can have those conversations. And if as long as you solve the problem, say, "Hey, I have somebody else that I think would be a better match." Um, boy, I I'd be I'd be thrilled if if I was a seller and some and, a, and my realtor told me that. I said, "I don't think mm-hmm. I can do this, but I have somebody that can." I'd be thrilled to hear that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, go ahead. Oh, so I I want to give another. Uh, example, because this is a a different example. I think it's important for agents to know who they are and their own, what their strengths are and also what their weaknesses are. And that's what I talk about a lot in the book, both books, actually. And because I sometimes struggled with real estate is not an easy business. It's a very interesting business. It's a very rewarding business when you're successful, but I wouldn't call it an easy job. It it, it can be, I have a love-hate relationship with it. Sometimes it's just, you know, you get all clients at once or you get nothing. Yeah. And you don't have a commission for six months. And, you know, the, the few people you've worked with, they're not loyal. They went to somebody else. You, you're in a recession. Nobody wants to buy anything. It just goes on. So anyway, it's important to know who you are and what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. So I know I'm a dominant personality. So I, I actually really enjoy working with first time buyers because they need a lot of guidance and yeah. they need a lot of patience. And I, I get a lot of joy out of it. So, and, and right now I'm also working with a senior uh, person who's very demanding. I told my husband today, you know what? I just know I'm going to go to heaven. <laughs> I said, I, I listened to her go on and on. She goes off on tangents and she expects so much. She reads every line of the contract. Yeah. It go, goes on. She wants to meet with me. I have 
I have to pick her up from her doctor's appointments. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, but I'm, she has some health problems and I'm making a difference in her life. Yeah. And I think that's something else. When, when people say, I want to get into real estate. Well, why? Well, I want to do it for the money. That's not enough. That's yeah. not enough. I don't think. I don't know. May, they're not for me. But right. remember, I wrote a book, Getting the Property Sold, S-O-U-L apostrophe D. Yeah. So soul has to come into my job for me. It has to. Uh, for other people, maybe it's just money, you know. And if that's who you are, then I, that can work. You know, everyone's different. And I, I just wanted to say uh, another type of personality that I don't do well with is when people can't make up their minds, like the very amiable type people, they smile and smile, but they can't make decisions. Yeah. And eventually you got to make a decision. And I, I, you know, I, I finally said to some client, listen, you've looked at 50 properties. Now's the time. There's not, you know, you can, you know, buy now and then wait and watch your property accumulate, or you can wait to buy and never buy because the prices get too high. And I, if people won't, you know, sign on the dotted line, I'll give them a couple months, but if they won't, then again, it's time to just let them go. And sometimes it's not even, it's just, it's just a gradual letting go. Or, you know, or sometimes, you know, I might be honest, I, I don't think you're motivated enough, you know, and to say, I, you know, you're a lovely person, you know, I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but I, I just, I, I don't think you're ready. Come back when maybe you're more ready. And that also is a very honest conversation to have and uh, probably goes pretty well because it's still respectful of the fact that the buyer is, is maybe on the fence or, um, but you're saying, you know, I, I, I'm not sure you're ready right now and you can come back when you are. And I think that, boy, that's a really elegant and, and delicate way, I think, to, uh, to, to have that conversation with someone that could be perceived as uh, rejecting, but, mm-hmm. it, 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 but it's mm-hmm. not the way that you, you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, I, I, if you have another question, I'd love to talk about how uh, I, I'm a, a Italian Irish. Okay. And I have a little, I'm up from upstate New York and I have a little Mohawk Indian in me too. Oh, wow. <laughs> so wow. I can be a bit of uh, tough and a warrior, uh, sure. but the Italian usually takes over. And so I'm emotional. And a lot of times that works in my favor because I'm enthusiastic about a property. I like to connect to people and so forth. Then again, sometimes it gets in my way. I get frustrated if things don't go as planned. Like I said, I'm a dominant driver, so I'm always looking for the end goal. Dominant drivers do that. Let's get to the end goal. So and I mentioned the amiables I sometimes have a problem with. They're great to be around, but to do business with them, it, it can be tough for me. So it's good. I'm going to go back to saying, be self-aware of your strengths and your limitations and build up your strengths and try to 
just tone down your limitations. <laughs> and I and I have a suggestion for our, our audience. I'm curious to get Paula's take on this. If you're maybe not as aware of what your strengths and weaknesses are, if you're not as self-aware, obviously there's lots of online resources where you can take tests to determine some of those strengths and weaknesses. And you can also ask your friends and family to give you an honest assessment. And what you could do is if you want to really uh, make sure people feel comfortable doing that, set up an anonymous survey and send it to your, to your friends and family and say, I really need to know what are my strengths and weaknesses? You know, what am I good at? Where do I struggle? And what advice do you have for me? Um, it maybe is a realtor or just in life in general. And you will be shocked at some of the uh, the answers you get. <laughs> you will learn a lot about yourself uh, from from the the words of of. The, and again, you're going to want to send this to people who know and care about you and who mm-hmm. who are oh, you know yes. are going to do it in a way that that is uh, is respectful. But um, but I think that is such a great thing to learn about your, so you, you, boy, you said a lot of good things because I imagine once you have a good sense of your own sort of makeup, your psychological makeup, um, your drivers, um, you know, how you sort of operate in the world, then you have a better sense of what kind of client is, is a good fit for you. Right. And, and you know how to communicate with others, you know, that they say, you know, Know, know yourself, you'll know others better. You'll be able yeah. to see them better. And one thing about, and why I wrote this book is I wanted to get to know myself better. So, it, you know, writing is a great way to do that. And also stories. And then I could reflect, hmm, well, and by the way, the book has a lot of raw, raw honesty. So sometimes you think, oh, wow, Paula, you're the greatest. And sometimes you think, gee, what a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, that, but that's, the, that's the truth is we, we all have wins and losses. We all screw up. We all have victories. Um, and I think, you know, we live, especially with social media now, it's, it's so easy to think everyone else other realtors I'm watching on Instagram or Facebook, they're all so perfect. They do everything perfect. Yeah. Their food is perfect. Yeah. Their clothing's perfect. Everything's easy. Um, and, and they have just as many challenges as, as any other uh, agent walking around, any other human being. Um, but it's sometimes easy to forget. Uh, people don't usually post their failures on social media. No. <laughs> so it's easy to forget that, that we're all, we all struggle, but sort of that being, having that self-awareness of where you struggle is, is probably so critical. It just helps alleviate some of the suffering, I think, um, as you grow, as you grow your business. Let's talk about the book. Cause I, I am so impressed with, with your book. And, uh, we do want to also just mention the, the title again, which is called getting the property sold S O U L D. Um, but let's talk about that. So tell us about the book. And I know you mentioned, um, you know, well, I'll, I'll sort of preface this by saying, I just, uh, purchased a primary residence myself. Um, wasn't my first, but I hadn't done it in quite a while. And I had forgotten as, and I'm in the industry. Uh, I'm not a traditional realtor. I don't practice, but, but I work at an office. We have about 800 realtors at our company. Um, but I'd forgotten, even though I work and live in this, how stressful it is to buy a property, even when I'm in the industry. And I thought, oh my gosh, I had a new, really uh, profound respect 
for realtors dealing with buyers, whether they're first time or, or I wasn't a first time, and just how stressful it was for me. And I have all the resources possible at my disposal. Most buyers and sellers don't have these kind of resources that I, I have access to. And um, I'm curious about, I just was thinking, boy, a realtor is 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 a good part of their job for people like me is being a, st a stress reliever, telling me everything's going to be fine, don't worry. Um, but really having that sort of emotional maturity to be able to call me when I'm freaking out. Yes. So, you know, it's it's back. Why why is buying a home so stressful? Well, I think there's a few or, or emotional, and I think there's a few reasons. Uh, one is it's probably the biggest investment you're ever going to make. Another is a lot of people really identify with their houses. Yeah. So the homes they buy, it's an extension of themselves. So if a seller's selling, a lot of times they're having trouble letting go. Yeah. Um, and then buyers who go in and they get very, very attached and and then maybe there's another uh, buyer out there too who bids higher and you don't get it. It's an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. And then once you just say, okay, the offer's been accepted, and then they think, oh, we're done. No, right. no, you're not. The roller coaster's going around the corner, it's going to go down fast, and something's going to come up. Something's going to go never wrong. Been yeah, for sure in a real estate transaction where something doesn't come up and usually yeah. unforeseen. So uh, like one time I was, we were about to close and all of a sudden something came up on the title. We couldn't close. Another time uh, le a lender ran out of money. He, he wow. couldn't fund. There was wow. nothing we could do. Another time recently a seller we had an offer accepted and then we went for the inspections the night before the agent called me and said, you're not allowed in. Oh no. I had like three inspectors scheduled for nine o'clock the following morning. Wow. Yeah. And, and the seller had decided she didn't want to sell gradually over a period of a few weeks. I found somebody who knew the agent because the agent wasn't communicating to me what was happening. So I was mm. able to, through this other person who was in real estate, find out what was really happening, went back to the agent and somehow we sweetened the deal just a little bit and did a few little things. Oh, she didn't want to let go. And it was a house with four cottages. So we told her, because one of the cottages was vacant, that she could come back anytime and visit oh. and stay minimum, you know, maximum two weeks. But if she gave a month notice, she could come back. That clinched the deal. Isn't that something? Well, yeah. That's a really creative strategy. And I imagine um, by speaking to the other agent, you probably, did you come up with that solution yourself or, or did yes. you know that? You know, my buyers and I did, because my buyers really wanted it. So we can't, I don't know exactly who it was, but, and that's the other thing with real estate. When you have clients, you, you get, and the emotion comes into it. How do you connect strongly so that you're acting as one in a team? 
And I also tell clients, listen, if you're unhappy with me, speak up. Or if you think I'm missing something, speak up so I can rectify it and do what you want me to do. Then on other hand, on the other hand, sometimes I'll say to a buyer, you know, that's not realistic. We really, you know, that is, that's not going to go well with the seller, or that's not going to go well with the buyer. We, we really can't do that. You know, we want to keep this, do you want to keep, what's your goal? You want to keep this transaction together? And so we, communication, the emotional connection, very important. Let's talk about how to establish a strong emotional bond with the clients. Um, I imagine, uh, well, you've written about this, you have two, uh, two best-selling books about it, but um, any strategies and tips for once a, an agent has a new client, whether it's a buyer or seller, ways in which they can deepen those, those connections with, with their clients so that they're able to have more honest conversations and, and be able to take that sort of feedback? Okay, so this is, uh, you know, we, we can talk, you know, it, with people. Okay, we're very diverse. We have diverse backgrounds. We have different stratas. We went to different schools. We might not have gone to college. We might be in the trades. We might be a doctor. We might be a lawyer. So what you do is you look for common ground. Now that could be, maybe they have a pet Mm -hmm. and you have a pet, connect on that. Uh, You're going through their their property, a seller's property, or sometimes you meet at a buyer's home. You see they have tennis rackets. Oh, well, maybe you don't play tennis. I don't, but my husband does. My husband loves tennis. Oh, it's a... Start talking about that. They they travel. You see some uh, you see some books in their library. Oh, I read that book. What did you think? Or you know, what do you what are you watching right now? You know, uh, on TV. Do you have any good series? Ask and ask open ended questions. That's another another thing. Why are you moving? Uh, You know, what do you like best about your house? whether you're renting it right now and you want to move or you're selling it and open-ended questions. They're the best and have them talk and talk and, you know, and you can just get off so easily on different tangents and find a connection. Like I said, this one senior uh, lady and I, well, it turns out uh, she confessed to me, she has some back problems. And I said, you know, I have in the past too. And she said, well, I was thinking of getting a back brace. And I said, well, I did get one for a while and it really helped me. Well, so now she's got an appointment and I'm taking her to get fitted for a back brace. I mean, you never know what you're going to, you know, what's going to happen. And then we, we travel a lot. And I told her I was Italian and she said, oh, well, you know, the color I painted my house, this blue that was when I went to Italy and I loved the houses that were painted this color blue. You know, you, you never know what you're going <laughs> to, what you're going to find out about people. It's, it's really, and you, you think you have nothing in common, but yeah, you know, this particular woman's Asian and she's, you know, and she's talked about if you listen, you know, she talks about all the trouble she's having with COVID and that, sure. you know, people, 
you know, she can't go to the grocery store because she's afraid she's being attacked. You know, I, I, um, I, I interviewed recently, I'm sorry to interrupt. I was going to say, I interviewed recently the AAPI um, realtor. I, uh, I believe I, uh, the the association is Aria, which is for uh, Asian American uh, realtors, and she's in San Francisco as well. And she was telling me in San Francisco, in particular, the Asian community, um, the realtor community, is is as you said, they're they're afraid because of all of the violence. Um, so I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, but uh, that was just reminded yeah. me that 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 if you listen and pay attention to your clients, you get to learn about what's going on in their lives. Yes. Yes. So th that's a lot of it. Connect, connecting. <laughs> so I, I also taught a few real estate classes and, uh, and sometimes things are pretty simple. I said, you have two ears and one mouth. So you should be listening twice as much as you're talking. So a lot of, basically it's like, get curious, get curious yes. about your clients. That's um, a wonderful, and, and she and I were just talking about that. And we said, curiosity, that's like, I said, that is such um, a understated virtue of people, curiosity. Boy, because it's, it's a neutral, it's a neutral word, doesn't turn anybody off. But boy, that is, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that most of us are a little, especially in the last year and a half, we're a little starved for connection. Uh, and now is a really good time to to reconnect uh, with you know your sphere of influence. Learn what's going on in their lives. If you didn't stay in touch with them during the the hardest times of the pandemic, um, you know now is the time to to find out how that was for them. Um, and and you know I didn't get I mean outside of my friends and family. I didn't get a lot of the professional service people that I employ in my life calling me asking how I was doing. And realtors have a really interesting bond with their clients where they can actually ask those questions. You know, it would be a little strange for my accountant. My, my accountant just wouldn't do that. I love, love my accountant, but I don't think she's going to call me and say, how are you doing with the pandemic? Now I would have appreciated the call. I don't expect it, but a realtor can really step into that role and, and, and ask those non-business questions um, about someone's life. Uh, and I think it's a really yeah. unique uh, industry where most industries, it doesn't really lend itself as easily to having those conversations, but real estate does. Cause it's such a personal industry. Yes. It's very personal. Yes. And, and I did reach out to my clients. I actually yeah. sent them a little small gift, just thinking, sure. especially when the pandemic first hit, because okay. everybody, you know, what are you going to do with your time? And it was just, we, we didn't know I was you know, washing my hands, washing all my food. I was washing all the counters. I was like, I, I wouldn't pick up my newspaper. I'd leave it outside for a day. So maybe there were just sure. on Everybody sure. was so stressed out. It. Yeah. So I, I sent them a little gift and, you know, it pays off. And, and people called me who I hadn't heard from in a long time. And we just talked. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't didn't ask about you're in San Francisco, certainly notoriously one of the most challenging real estate markets in in the United States. Uh, New York and San Francisco kind of battle back and forth for for uh, you know most most challenging. Um, but right now, uh, I imagine uh, there's you know still a, probably an inventory shortage in your area. You have 
low interest rates. So there's lots of buyers out there. People can afford more than they could, um, you know, when interest rates were higher, but low inventory. So I, I'm curious on how you're, because you work with first time home buyers, um, you know, how you're keeping, how, how you're navigating that with them and, and explaining to them that there, there really is a lot of urgency when you find a property these days and what those conversations sort of sound like. Yeah. So I'll talk about this one couple who looked about six months before the pandemic hit and she had a, a year old. Well, then she got pregnant again. So now they're, wow. they're really, they're in a small apartment. Now they're really pushed. Yeah. So we had looked in San Francisco a little bit in the peninsula and we said, you know, we, we got to spread out. You know, San Francisco, you're, you're not going to afford, just not going to happen. She's a stay-at-home mom, and he makes good money, but it's just one income. Yeah. So we went out to the East Bay, and we looked in the East Bay. And we kept going farther and farther out because it was more affordable. Sure. So uh, we did miss out on one house, and it was unfortunate. Uh, an unfortunate thing. So here's the, uh, the up and down roller coaster. I just want to talk about this again. Sure. Because of what happens. So both offers came in close, but one offer came in a little, uh, two offers came in. One was ours. One was a little higher and they, but they were so close and they really liked my buyers and they liked me. So they called me up and they said, will you, go up to, you know, another 20,000, I think it was, or 30,000. And, and so I called, I said, wait a minute, I'll call my buyers. So I called my buyers, they thought about it. Then I got back and they finally said, yes, it was about an hour. It took them a while. You can't pressure, sure. you know? Yeah. And then we went back to the other people and they said, oh, we didn't hear from you. Oh. So we took the other offer. Oh, wow. That was, you know, and not to give oh. us a chance to say, yeah. you know, and that was heartbreaking for my people. So yeah. it's just to have a lot of compassion. So, so stuff does happen. I mean, even when you, you know, do your best. So we moved out farther. That was in Berkeley. So then they found a house in Lafayette. And I said, Paul, we want to see this house. And I said, okay. And I went online, you know, the, the MLS listings, and I looked at other available houses. So I took the monitor and showed them five. The house that they liked was beautiful. Everything was done, just gorgeous. So um, they looked at that. And then they looked at another one about the same price but the the sellers were living there with three kids and they had two big dogs and you stepped in their yard and you have to bypass all the dog poop it <laughs> sure. was it wasn't staged it showed terribly but yeah. the potential was there so they said to me well what do you think and i said well the property that you called on they will get probably 10 offers. I, it was really underpriced. And so I said, but this other property, 
you know, if you like it enough. And they said, you know, we like the floor plan better at this other property and we can fix it up. And so I said, well, we should go for that. And so they did and they got it. Wow. And so they didn't waste their time with the other one with 10 offers that we didn't think we'd be able to get. So one thing I think I do do and the academic part of me is I study the market. Yeah. And you had asked me before, you know, does that help? Yes, I study the market, but I don't study it reading the newspaper and all, you know, everything's sure. going to yeah. you know, hell in a handbasket. Yeah. I don't sure. I don't listen to bad news, okay? Because right. that gets negative. But I will look at statistics and I will kind of study it. And then I also have, because I've been selling and I'm also the sold part, I'm very intuitive. I usually come up with a price in my head and that usually is what it goes for. And I, yeah, I, I I have had such good luck, even in multiple offer situations. I, I had one winning streak where nine buyers I got into contract nine in a row just, and didn't have to, because sometimes you have to prepare your buyers, you know, it may take four or five times. I, you know, one buyer I worked with that took us eight times before we got into something. So you wow. never know. But to, to, to study the statistics, and I'm not saying the news. I wouldn't read too much about news. You know, our, our politics are divisive. It's just, yeah. you know, the, you know it, it's not a time to sell. There's no properties on the market. Don't listen to this. We'll work with what we have. And we, we find a property that maybe is not, I said, it might, it probably won't be, I say to first time buyers, it probably won't be your, your end all house. This is a stepping stone. So you will, you know, eventually get into house, but if you don't move now, you're just going to be renting, renting and renting. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You just said so much. Um, I will encourage once again, everyone listening or watching right now, head over to Amazon, pick up uh, both of Paula's books, uh, which is the first one is Secrets of a Top Salesperson. I certainly would like to know how uh, somebody has been a top salesperson, top saleswoman in a very difficult city to be a real estate agent for uh, 40 plus years. So Secrets of a Top Salesperson is available as well as her newest book, which is Getting the Property Sold. And then again, that's S-O-U-L apostrophe D. And also please everyone go check out Paula's website as well, which is paulapagano.com. And if there is anyone in the uh, the Bay Area, whether they're in the city or or somewhere outside, and they are looking to work with a top realtor for uh, four decades, which is an incredible career in this industry, and who has the knowledge and the compassion to help you through all of your transaction needs, uh, reach out to Paula. And Paula, um, what's the best way someone should reach out to you if they want to work with you? Uh, by my email, which is easy. Paula Pagano Realtor at gmail.com or go That's to my good. website. Yeah, go to the website paulapagano.com or email her at her Gmail account. We will also have those in the show notes should you want to reach out to Paula. Paula, I could speak to you for many 
many other hours because uh, this is such a wonderful conversation and the amount of value that you pr provided to our audience is, is really insurmountable. So I'm gonna encourage all of our listeners and, and viewers once again to pick up her books. She's a fantastic uh, realtor and she really talks about, I think one of the most challenging parts of the business, which is the emotional connection and why that ultimately you know, wins, wins the sale. Um, so please pick up her two books. And uh, on behalf of our audience, Polly, I want to thank you for your time. We know how busy you are, especially now with the market the way it is, um, <laughs> that you were able to take time out of your, your busy schedule to come on our show and provide some value to our audience. And on behalf of Paula and myself, we want to thank our listeners and our viewers for continuing to support our show. And we ask before you, you sign off uh, on this episode to do just one thing is tell a friend, think of one other real estate professional that could benefit from hearing this great interview from Paula and send them a link to our show. Easiest way to do that, if they're not a podcast person, just send them to our website, which is keepingitrealpod.com. They can stream every episode we've ever done, including this one right from their browser. If they are a podcast person, have them pull up a podcast app on their phone, search for Keeping It Real and hit the subscribe button. Um, thank you to everyone for continuing to support our show. Thank you once again to Paula. This was fantastic. And I hope to have you on again. Um, but Paula, thank you so much. You are so welcome. It really was fun. Thank you.